Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Monday is upon us. Crop Progress Report comes out this afternoon. Not a lot of movement. We'll find out what's going to happen, though, I think, in the next couple of weeks. It's definitely going to be some pushing hard on this corn crop. We'll also look at the WASDE report that's due out on Friday. We've got weather happening in South America, but at this point, is even that big of a market factor to look at? So a variety of things that we are going to look at today as we are being joined by Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. And Sam, I want to start out with, with the harvest and, and what's happening in your neck of the woods in the eastern Corn Belt. Yeah, we're uh, going to get a, probably a much more accelerated uh, look in terms of progress here over the next couple weeks, I would expect. Uh, a lot of the early beans are now out. Uh, we did you know, deal with a little bit of rain here on Saturday. I uh, wasn't expected to last all day, but pretty well did. Uh, but I think the big thing is this corn moisture finally coming down. You know, we're, we're now into the upper teens and low 20s, um, and a lot more amicable for har- harvest progress and guys to get that out. Uh, and, and, you know, with the forecast looking the way it is, you know, Midwest in general looks like it should break uh, pretty good strides. I think we'll be banging and, you know, kind of stocking these 30% numbers here this week, but next week uh, probably get closer to 50% in some of this stuff. So definitely no surprise to be expected in this afternoon's report. No, I don't think so. I, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of beyond those having, you know, holding any weight in terms of, uh, you know, market moving information or anything. Obviously, conditioning is kind of a, uh, you know, just a back burner item at this point. So I, I think demand is what's been driving the ship. Uh, and I think looking forward here towards the end of the week is, is where this market may have a little bit of an underpinning here. Uh, I think we have to expect a reduction there, or excuse me, an increase in the exports for both corn and soybeans uh, and yield, you know, some, some definitely some biases that we'll see another reduction, but I don't think we're looking at major changes either way. Do you think, though, is the October WASDE report have a little bit more weight than we see in, like, let's say the September report? Well, it does traditionally because you have a little bit more harvest, uh, you know, kind of boots on the ground data uh, becomes a lot less survey based as opposed to, uh, you know, objective data based. And, and, you know, when we look at some of these uh, private forecasters, a lot of that's going to be survey based and, and they're, you know, still looking for a slight reduction. I think that reflects just the general overall optimism and potential we had, you know, starting out in August and this change that we've seen, you know, from September and now this October report, we're going to really start honing in on, on really what is possible with yield. Uh, but like I said, the demand is the one driving the ship. I don't think we're going to see the supply or carry out figures, I guess you should say, change a whole lot uh, because of a, a, a massive yield adjustment here uh, at the end of the week. So does that mean that next month they'll have more weight on it? I think potentially, I mean, you know, as long as we're not getting a shocker surprise on the yield this month, um, you know, kind of opens the door for, okay, what's left for the bull to chew on because we're going to you know, potentially take yield down again in a, you know, measurable way, uh, have a better idea where we actually stand there, or at least, like I said, kind of hone in on that number. Uh, but from a demand standpoint, we're going to bake in a lot of what we've seen here on the front end uh, in this month's data. And it begs the question, you know, how, you're going to be forced to basically see uh, threats for weather, mainly in South America, and continued export sales moving forward. And, you know, China just bought so much at this point, I think a lot of people question if that's possible. Well, China, we know, is on holiday, so we kind of do expect a normal quietness coming from them. But Mexico stepped in and said, hey, we need some corn. Yeah, we saw that. And that certainly helps sentiment, uh, especially going into this next WASDE report. And like I said, the expectation that we'll probably see increased export demand for both of these products. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely nice to see that to fill the hole with them on holiday. Did see one uh, late last week, probably just going to see a little less activity uh, on that front, at least for now. Uh, but there again, you know, now we're going to get a lot more focus on the shipments as opposed to the sales themselves. Uh, and export inspections here uh, this morning were 
pretty much right on you know where we need to be to hit the USDA's pace. And we are definitely into it. We're into a new calendar year, so kind of get expect a kind of a slower start. You know, I think we need to start off hot on the inspection side of things because you do not want to go into the December time frame behind the eight ball as much as we've got stacked up here on unshipped sales. Uh, and definitely one thing to be keeping an eye on here is any Gulf disturbances. Last week we really had nothing to speak of. Uh, now you've got the, a bit of a threat. I still think you would need to be above Category 3 or 4 storm to really uh, cause any major export disruptions, but uh, definitely not something you want to see when you need to be shipping this up as quick as possible while we take that out of the field here in the U.S. Well, uh, earlier I'd read that, you know, that weekly export inspections definitely on the stronger side for the soybeans, as comes no surprise with the purchases we've seen. On the corn side, they call it just plain old okay. Yeah, and like I said, we're, I think we're actually maybe, uh, I would have to look it up, I think 2%, maybe just slightly behind, but, you know, within shouting distance and strong enough that there's really no, no cause for alarm there. But like I said, you get into this December time frame, if you end up, you know, 10, 15, or 20% behind where you need to be, uh, and we still have this big pile of, of unshipped sales ahead of us, that that's where the trade's going to become much more concerned and kind of combine that with what uh, whatever weather we're seeing at the time, you know, as we fast forward two or three months from now on the on the South American weather front, uh, you know, one one round of rains isn't going to make or break that crop certainly will help uh, help help them get that crop seeded but they're going to need more after that and we know that i mean it's not going to be long and they're going to be hitting harvest so the pressure for their new crop is really going to have an effect on our trade yeah it definitely could uh and that's why you know if we see some you know as quick as this harvest could take place i mean you could have a lot of areas where as long as this forecast holds they're, they're wrapped up you know around that halloween time frame uh, if that's the case, you get a quick harvest here. I would not be at all surprised to see a bit of a basis firming as you know we traditionally see as we get towards that Thanksgiving time frame in the end of the year before we still know what they've got. Well, and the rains that have come, I mean, obviously we're getting closer to their rainy season. So uh, as you mentioned, it's just kind of a wait and see game for them as to how much of an impact lack of rains is going to have. It is, and that's why we, you know, we can't sit here and get too wound around the axle. I mean, as long as they get the crop in the ground, you know, we've seen the same thing down there as what we've seen here. Genetics can really take things a long way. Um, but I think the alarming part going into this year is the fact that, uh, you know, you look at soy moisture, just for example, in Mato Grosso, which is a very, um, you know, big point of focus, I guess, in terms of their production area down there. And it's one of the driest it's been in 20 years. So even though seasonally it's supposed to be dry, uh, you know, you're going to need, you know, sequential rainfall here to make sure they heal all the wounds and, and keep things at bay. All right, we'll stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue with the Fontenelle Final Belt. We'll talk a little ethanol and also the dollar, how much of that is weighing in on the trade. And from a livestock perspective, we'll get Sam's thoughts on what we're seeing to start out this trade week for both the cattle and the hogs. More is coming up. It is the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we're continuing our conversation today with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. So we left off kind of talking about what was happening within the grain complex. And I want to talk about the dollar a little bit and how it's trading and having its effects on our grains and export potentials. Yeah, I mean, the, the support, uh, or excuse me, the weakness that we've had on the dollar helps support the export campaign that we've had. I think, uh, you know, from an immediate reactionary standpoint, I think it probably affects our wheat market as much as anything because you trade that in more places around the world compared to just corn and beans where South America is our, our main competitor. So you're only looking at the Brazilian currency, the Argentinian currency, and with some of the political woes they've had, you know, their currencies have been weak too. So we have to look at it as a comparison to who our competitors are. 
uh, and that's been something to be you know very noteworthy here along the way, where a weak dollar doesn't just automatically stimulate all of that. Uh, obviously, the trade wars uh, you know had a lot of impact on that too. So I still think weather is going to be one of the bigger driving factors. Uh, it was interesting to see Argentina they reduced export taxes on soy, uh, let's see, soybeans, soy meal, and soy oil last week from 33% down to 30% to help stimulate some sort of export activity um, but I just don't think especially when soil moisture looks the way it is that's really going to have a big impact on, on farmer sales here at this point with how much they've got forward contracted so um, just need to kind of keep an eye on, on how all this you know comes to a head but uh, mother nature can force the hand regardless at the end of the day regardless of currency. So what about ethanol and energy? Uh, you know, saw a big move today here in, in energy and just equity and outside markets in general. So, you know, kind of a, a bit of a risk on mentality uh, to start the week compared to what we saw last week. Uh, from an ethanol standpoint, you know, the short term as we go into the winter months, it's, it's hard for the market to be bullish fuel usage. I think that's our big problem, uh, you know, with people working from home, uh, the, you know, what in, you know, limitations we're going to have on dining and schools and so forth. I think before, you know, we see, you know, we're going to have to see things level off before we see a, probably a bigger recovery in the spring and summer of next year as the politics get behind us, as the weather warms up again. Uh, and hopefully we can still see some politics help to, you know, pave the way for sustainability there too, or maybe we can get some higher blends in here. Because uh, the overall fuel usage, like I said, is just going to be an uphill battle here over the next, you know, 12 to 18 months. And, and you wonder if we ever get back to a normal, if we just find a new one. Well, let's jump over to livestock. And since you brought it up, let's talk about consumer and, and the movement of meat across the cases. You would think with folks staying at home, we would see some more movement. But where are we at at this point in the game? You know, I, I think you're going to continue to see some of this based off of, uh, you know, the stimulus, too. I think a lot of people filled up their freezers and are probably, you know, somewhat well stocked. But, you know, if you see a continuation of this pattern, I, I think we're going to continue to see uh, support on, on one side of the, you know, retail market uh, versus, you know, dining out and, and dining at home. And I think that's going to continue. I think our exports, though, are, are probably the bigger thing here. You know, we talked about demand really driving the ship for the grains. And I think you're doing something very similar here in these meats. It's not really about how much we've got on today, but we've shifted the narrative into what are we going to have left tomorrow so cash cattle is it just kind of hanging in there at this point yeah biden it's time uh you know i think you're going to see uh probably a theme that way continue into the end of the year i think the feeders have a little bit more stock and equity in the game in terms of just how the feed rations go into that you know what's our price of corn going to be i think a lot of people thought corn could be 280 right now and here we are a buck higher than that so uh, how that's filtered in the equation, you know, could take the top end off of what the feeder cattle market could do. But with all the stimulus there, again, guys got money. If they've got room, all they need is hope. Is that the reason why we've just seen a lot of lack of momentum, shall we say, in the feeder cattle market? I, I think so. I mean, I think the cash market's, uh, you know, strong enough to justify things sticking around here. Uh, the bull spreads have continued to kind of show strength, uh, you know, even as things get weak. And I think that's a uh, a good signal for a market, but there again, what do our feed costs do? What do we see? Uh, you know, what, how can we even see that change here before the end of the week? And, then we, and there's been a lot of talk as dry as it's been in many areas of the U.S. We're going to see some cattle coming off grass headed to feedlots a lot earlier. So there goes that whole corn price versus feeding issue come up. Yeah, and part of that I think was reflected here in the last cattle on feed report. We came in what three or three percent or more above where the trade was guessing, and the trade was looking for 106. So I think some of that was baked in. I think our reaction thereafter probably proves that. Uh, and again, it comes down to the demand side probably as much as the supply side as anything at this point for the next several months. So many are wondering where are we going to see cash this week? What are what is the chatter that you're hearing? Are we going to hold steady? Are we going to maybe push to the higher? 
I think we can be steady to higher without question. Uh, steady to $2 higher would be my expectations. I still believe that as you get into that February, February and April contract, the way things look right now, that they're fairly priced. Uh, so this front end is really going to have to row the boat here. And, uh, you know, what we see demand look like here into the end of this year and quarter one of next year is going to impact what we're going to be able to see for that June contract out in time. And, and Sam, hogs continue to push to the upside. Yeah, and I like the hog market still. You know, I'm a bit distraught that the you know the strength in the October December spread hasn't resulted in more strength outright for that December contract. Um, and you know, I think as long as the lean hog index can hold its own, you know, where are we here? Uh, all the way back over 76 now. You know, is this a you know, precursor to a run to 85? And, and then all of a sudden we wake up and that December looks uh, looks too cheap. Or are we just going to stall that spread out and, and we got someone stuck there? I think that's what it comes down to. Still looking for some pretty good support around 60 on that December for now until we figure it out. All right. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. And just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all of your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.